Bantery, the podcast designed for you. Well, hello guys and welcome back to another edition of Bantity, the podcast designed for you. So today we've got an amazing guest. Some of you might know her. <laughs> uh, I'll let her introduce herself in a second, but she's absolutely fab at what she does. She does some amazing content on Twitter, Instagram, uh, from weightlifting to food to whiskey, gin, cider, anything basically that gets you alcoholic. So anything that gives you a buzz and everything that gives you a bit of a pump. That's uh, that's what she loves. So I'll let her introduce herself. I won't tell you any more. And you can go from there. <laughs> well, thank you for the introduction. So I am Charlie Houston Sykes. I am a blogger, freelance writer, eater of good food, drinker of good drink, lifter of heavy things, I guess. Yeah, I think that sums you absolutely <laughs> perfectly. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't know any other way to announce you. I just thought, you know what, I've known you a long time, so... I, you know, thought we'd invite you onto the podcast. Uh, you've got some great content on your uh, social media feeds. Uh, you've also got a lot of content which is takes a different look at the world. Yep. Also breaks a, a lot of norms, which yes, is amazing. This is true. Uh, so I'll give you a bit more about what you do. Yeah. So I've had um, I've been blogging for it'll be ten years in February. Um. And it was originally the Jimfield Blue Stocking, and then because it's hit ten years, and things felt to me a little bit. I didn't feel like the same person I'd been when I started Jimfield. Felt, yeah. felt like a very different person, um, and I suppose a decade would do that to you. And so I have set up the Pickle Ginger instead, which I think is a little bit more accurate and a little bit more me. And then I've also set up, which is still being tweaked as at the time of recording and hopefully will be sorted soon um coffee and creatine which is more of a focus for the lifting and the body positive stuff and all that kind of things so i'm kind of separating it was a lifestyle blog and now instead there's two separate blogs one which is more body oriented i guess you'd say yeah i would say that body and mind um and then pickle ginger is just food and drink because there's people who follow me, some who follow me for both, some who follow me for one or the other. Yeah. And so it was just about separating them out a bit um, and just make, judging things up a bit and making them a bit prettier, I think. I've got to say, I've, I've seen behind the scenes of what you've been creating and it's going to be quite incredible. I hope so. I've, I've, um, I'm speaking to somebody about the logo for Coffee and Creatine at the minute. Um, and... Got- what she's done because she's the one who did the pickled ginger as yeah, well. So well, she's... the pickled ginger uh, logo. And from somebody who is actually a marketeer, it's like that's quite a cute logo. I really like it. I've actually got a logo for every season, and she's also going to do me one for Halloween and one for Christmas. Well, that'll be interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it saves me getting because that, that was part of the issue was with um, what I found with the gym with Jimfield blue stocking is that I'd get kind of like about 12 months or so and I'd be like I'm bored with this theme and but it just looks boring I need to change it yeah and then it's such a troll to then have to go through what's the trends now what's everything what's the new stuff what's going on what what can I play with um and that just takes so much effort and energy whereas what I've now got is somebody who will create logos for me as and when I want or need um She's amazing. She understands me. She gets me, which is a big issue. Um, and because I've got these seasonal logos, I've 
shouldn't actually get bored at any point because the site will change regularly just yeah. as and with the seasons it's like the seasonality it of a blog with seasonality yeah. of the food it's like yeah and that's the nice thing because it's all going to sort of flow into one because uh, I was I was looking at your sort of concept for Christmas and I think you know that's going to be perfect you can start that beginning of December you know there's going to be loads of events hopefully this year oh, with God, Christmas because that's one of the nice things that we you know we kind of do together as well, which, yeah. you know, if you ever see both of us in the same place, it's probably <laughs> because we're either on a foodie day or we've gone to review the place. Yeah, <laughs> so, running around. If you see, you'll probably see us running around with our phones in our hands. Yeah, that's kind of how it works normally for us too. Yeah. Yeah. One of us recording the other or running around filming everything or photographing yeah. everything to make sure we've got enough for all the fingers of pies that we have going on yeah because of course we both work for canal street as well yes from time to time so that's an interesting little canal street a little yeah. ancoats a little um unlock Manchester. a little unlock so it's a bit of bantery as well you know yeah. uh banter you know a bit of foodie james marketing all thrown in there you do a yeah. bit for everybody a bit of pickle ginger a bit of coffee yeah. grits and, and it's just because there is cro- with all of them there is crossover oh yeah which is nice so it means mm. that we can go for with one thing in mind, and actually, and then it ends up spreading out into different pockets. Yeah, I've got to say a lot of what we do kind of crosses over for what I do professionally, what I do with Canal Street, what I do with yourself when I'm working with you. Yeah, when we're doing the recordings, when we're going to things like the Room Festival, which was my first ever time doing a Room Festival. <laughs> uh, at one point, you did have to sit me down and go, James, you've had a little bit too much. <laughs> But, you know, then we would rather have not more. As, not as much as other people I could mention that uh, aren't in this room. Um, but we'll leave that there. Yeah, let's leave that on that. We'll get into trouble otherwise. Oh, she'll be li- this, this person will be listening to this. Sorry. We love you. Uh, we do. Um, but, yeah, but what what's fascinating as well is being able to introduce people to new stuff. Hmm. So I will get, especially around, I love, this is one of the things that I love about Christmas is I will get messages. Sometimes it's a direct message on Instagram or Twitter. Sometimes it's an email. Sometimes it's just a, I need to buy something for somebody. Yeah. Help me. And whether that's, um, usually the two that I get sent my way is whiskey or gin. Yeah. Which Those is are two far. obvious ones. Um, and I'll get a message, oh, I need to buy a gin for somebody. Um, it's the birthday, this is yeah. my budget. The trouble well, with both whiskey and gin, though, is that the market is so wide yeah. and the variety is so huge, I then spend time going, can we narrow this down a little bit? Yeah. Can we, what do they like? What flavours well, do they like? you did that with me, didn't you? Uh, yeah. I asked you about my dad and my, my dad likes, you know, traditional Scottish uh, Isaiah whiskey. Yeah. But we were looking for something a little bit different, maybe from, you know, New World or from America or somewhere like that. And kind of by the time we got down there, we'd actually come up with, I think it was, was it Kentucky Bourbon we came for? I think end? so, yeah. we yeah. I think we went all around the houses trying to, because the thing is that sometimes it isn't necessarily where it's from or where it's made. Sometimes it's actually what the flavour profile is and what they like to drink and, and yeah. eat. So... There are those where you'd kind of go, okay, well, he likes citrus, so I'll suggest X gin. Um, whereas there are other times when he's like, oh, he's a, he might be a um, a massive football supporter. And it's like, well, I can, you know, depending on which team it is, I can actually recommend you potentially a, a matching spirit 
Because there's, there's loads. There's oh, there a surprising the amount got... of football teams who are getting into booze. Yeah, because we've got a fabulous session in a minute where we're going to talk about whiskey, aren't we? This is true. And we're going to talk about cider. Yes, we and are. And we might even be talking about somebody we've both been to, so <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But we are going to talk about Manchester foodie scene, because that is a very interesting place. Uh, we've kind of been to quite a bit together. Yes. A bit separately as well, yeah. and it's been an in, it's an interesting world at the moment, especially at the moment because it's been on hold effectively. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of coming back from that, but we're also very aware. There's things that we're very aware of, so we're very aware of the fact that independents, especially, don't have big budgets currently. No. So if you are in the food scene, you need to be prepared to put your hand in your pocket a bit, especially if you want to support the indies as opposed to the big chains. Yeah, which is really important in Manchester because we've got a lot of, you know, we ha- yes, we have a lot of big food chains, mm-hmm. but we've also got some smashing independence. Hugely so. Um, I think a lot of people think Manchester is just the sort of space in the city centre, but actually Manchester is such a vast foodie scene. Oh, it's, massive. You know, you've got parts of the city centre, but then you've got parts like Ancoats, Mm-hmm. With the likes of, you know, Ellen Co., uh, is it Canton? Well, you've um, got Manor, you've got yeah. Erst, you've got, yeah, the the, the uh, Rudy's. The selection there is is really wide and varied. Um, and Street Urchin, which is, has become one of our favourites. Yes. I keep I keep having conversations about Street Urchin and I have promised to book my husband and us, out, and us in again for another visit because we loved it so much the last time we went and I've not done it yet. So Yeah. Slapped wrist. Must remember to book this in. Well, it's like I was actually I walked past him the other day and he had his smoke on at the front. And it, <laughs> it was, smells amazing. Yeah, it smelled amazing. It smelled really, really good. Uh, ridiculous early in the morning because I'd, <laughs> I'd gone to take some. Uh, you might see on my Instagram and I think on your Instagram as well some of the photographs I take uh, randomly yeah. around Manchester. Uh, you'll also see them on the Ancoats uh, card website. You'll see them on Canal Street. You'll see them absolutely everywhere. But I went out early in the morning. And he ju- he'd obviously just put it on. And yeah. I walked past it and just got a mouthful of smoke. It smelled absolutely gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. But <laughs> it was quite an experience, didn't we? It's, a sh- it's basically a shed, isn't it? It's yeah. put on the front door. Yeah. And it's like... And it'll, there's a little sign when you go in that says what they're smoking. Right. See, it was that early in the morning and it gets going inside. <laughs> so there's, there's like a little sign that's updated with what's going on. In the smoker, oh, right. so you find out what they're what's yeah. coming, sort of thing to the menu. Because the thing is with their menu is that it's so it it's, goes off what's fresh and what's in season and what's available. And yes, he does it's, And so you kind of if you email to book, and then just before you go, you get an email with the menu on it, right. which details what you're going to be able to choose from that night. Yeah. Both food and drink, so they'll right. have some, you know, they might have ends of bottles and bin mm-hmm. ends and stuff. So it's it's amazing. It's uh, I love the fact that it's that kind of, um, I know I have friends in the foodie scene and outside the foodie scene who are very much sort of, um, they will ogle the menu before they go. They want to know exactly what they're going to eat. They'll get excited about what they're going to eat and all the rest of it. And I really like to go in blind. Yeah. I think that's what we like doing, uh, you know, when we go out together, and we'll tell them about somewhere in a minute, but carry on for a sec. Yeah, no, so I, lo- I love to go in blind, and I think that's one of the reasons that, that both me and the husband really like um, Street Urchin, because you don't get to see the menu until the day of, yeah. and so it is kind of a surprise. 
and I like that. I like that kind of extra element to it. I kind of do like surprises, and I, I'm I'm one of those people that I will hold off opening Christmas presents until Christmas Day because I I want it to be a surprise. Yeah, and that's that's sometimes the enjoyment though, isn't it? And that's what I think we've lost from you know specials boards. I think that's you know that's some one of those things. Yeah, especially I think in city centres a lot because I was in London recently and they seem to have lost the special board idea and I think a lot of it's to do with the pan- to do with the, the pandemic or the P word oh yeah, uh, yeah. you know and people have the P word yeah let's not talk about that one uh, you know according to the panny D yeah the panny D uh, but you know looking you know that's sort of gone really and people are, yeah. have just moved to especially chains I think have moved to just generic menus yeah there's been a lot of, of restriction on what they're able to do and what they want to put out there and I think that's down to um, not just the pandemic but also elements of Brexit as well it's what's available and what they can plan for um, because there is this genuine issue about getting stuff imported and it being slower and and clunkier and the system's really frustrating um, I see it in my day job and it's just it drives me up um, but there is this element of being able to plan in advance, and plus, it they're short on staff, as we have, as we well know, oh, yes. and we have experienced. They are short on staff, and so actually having a reduced menu and restrictions on stuff, as in you know, uh, only having as opposed to having ten dishes, only having five, means that if not everybody turns up, it's not going to have such a big impact. Yeah. And I think that's you know that's why we're seeing the special boards disappear, aren't we? Really, yeah. it's because of that. You know, you might get somebody who originally booked in for a table of ten, and now it's either a table of five or it's no table. Yeah. You know, and before Christmas, I went with my parents on Christmas Eve. We went to a restaurant, and we were told the whole place was booked out. We were sat in a a room of about twenty different tables. Hmm. Only four were full on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Now that's my family tradition. We always go on Christmas Eve, but. That was like a sign of what was going on in December, yeah. and you know, from a, from a Manchester scene food point, the city centre wasn't as bad as you know we were seeing in other places. They did have a lot of cancellations. I'm not saying it wasn't a massive issue for them, but Manchester didn't seem to fare as badly with it. Yeah. Uh, but out of Manchester, especially you know, looking at some of the countryside places like we, you know, Wimslow, Altrincham, Sale. Those areas seem to really struggle. Yeah, I know Stratford had issues because obviously that's my hometown. Yeah, um, and I know of a couple of bars who uh, were basically saying there's no point in us opening. Um, they would just post an update saying, "Well, it's you know it's X o'clock. It's really really quiet. Yeah. We're actually going to close because we don't expending the money on staff and electric and preparation and all that stuff is just a." It, it's pointless if nobody's going to turn up. But the nice thing is now we're starting to see rebound, aren't we? Yeah. So we've been to some places where it's been really busy. Yeah. Uh, I went to uh, Pret the other day and I've never seen Pret as busy in my life with people actually sat oh. inside. Because a lot you of people... need to be on ca- You need to be on university campus because the Pret oh. on university campus has a queue out the door regularly. Ah, right. Okay. I mean, genuinely round the corner. Yeah, for for ages. Because that's what it used to be like at Pratt, and I know when because I know Pratt is a big company, and I know there's issues around how they operate. But that's not a conversation for today. Yeah. Uh, we'll leave Save that, that to other people. <laughs> uh, but you used to see Pratt with the queue out the door. Yeah, you know, and same with uh, Starbucks. The same with a lot of independents as well. 
you know, uh, Northern Tea Power in the Northern Quarter. Yeah, Ezra and Gill and, yeah. and Idle Hands and all the rest of it. You used to see a nice queue out the door. And that was a good, that was such a nice thing to see, especially for the independents. That always made me happy because it's a case of, well, they're obviously doing well. That's good. That's what we want. Yeah. Which is a great thing. And that really kind of uh, sums up Manchester really now, doesn't it? Things are starting to come back on the rebound. Thank God. We're seeing some restaurants do some creative things. Yes. Like Street Urchin, you know, with their own smoker outside, which still blows me away to this second. <laughs> uh, I, I, guess I do love Manchester independent scene. I don't think I've been in a chain in ages. I try and avoid chains if I can, just because I want the creativity of the independent yeah. scene. Because there was somewhere you went last night, which was still interesting me to the second. Really? It's this uh, idea of the crisp butter. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, this is it. So Staley, Staley Bridge Buffet Bar is, I mean, it's on the train tracks. It's uh, a pub. It's their, their um, craft beer selection's really, really good as, and always has been. Um, but they had this idea along with Thumbridge Brewery of a crisp butty beer pairing which is about as northern as you can get. I mean, it's about yeah. as northern as chips and gravy. It's one of those sort of, yes, crisp butties exist across the country, That is, but pairing it with beer, that's a northern thing. That's something that O'Neill's lot would do. But then they also, they they didn't just pair it, it wasn't just crisp butties though, it was then taken to another level. So some had um, extra bits and pieces on them, so the nice and spicy had, I think it was mango chutney on it, the... Um, Philly cheese steak had Philadelphia on it. Yeah. It was one of them had Marmite. What the Plowmans had Branston pickle on. It was that sort of they'd yep. gone the extra level, um, and it was hilarious and bonkers and very carb heavy. And I, I, we pretty much came home yeah. and fell asleep. Because um, it's still affecting you today. Because yeah. you know, before before we did this podcast, we had a bit of a foodie. Lunch, I yes. would call it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of raided one of the very famous Chinese supermarkets in Manchester <laughs> last night. Uh, and we kind of had our own version of Chinese, didn't we? We did. We did. We had egg fried rice. Yes. We had, uh, we, we call it barbecue, Chinese barbecue pork. Yeah. Would you call it that? Really? Yeah. Yeah. You can get away with that. Yeah. It's not char siu, but it was. No, yeah. it wasn't char siu. You know, um, we kind of had a food a minute beforehand. So we did a bit of flexing, but you didn't want any carbs. So I had no. to kind of think on my feet. <laughs> but you did have some pop sticker. I had, uh, uh, yes. God, I love good dumpling. Um, but yeah, it was, I, it was just a case of, by the time I'd had, so I had toast at breakfast and just sat there thinking, oh, just too many carbs today. Mm. I just can't. Yeah. So we're actually having stir fry for tea tonight. And I've, I've gotten a packet. I've, I've got some, you know, straight to walk noodles. Yeah. I think it might be one between us tonight. Yeah. More veggies, fewer yeah. of everything, less of everything well, else. Well, let's go back to the pub idea we had before, okay. where you were talking about your uh, your crisp sandwiches. Yes. And I'm going to use that as a segue. Okay, go An for it. An interesting segue. <laughs> let's talk about you and Whiskey Club. Yes. So I'm one of the um, founder female members. There are male members, obviously. Of Whiskey Club, um, there were, if I remember rightly, there were three or four of us originally. Um, there are still three or four of us, but the, they are different three or four. There's a couple of us who stayed on, if you like. Um, and it's been going, it's going, going for ages now. Nine, ten years, something like that. It's been yeah, going yeah. for I think quite was, a long time. Yeah, I think we worked out about nine and a half years now. Something tough like that. Yeah. Um, but it started off in the Lassa Gallery. 
and it was just um, this chap Andy's idea of um, he was getting into whiskey. He wanted to find other people to drink whiskey with, basically. Yeah. So in other words, he wanted a, a whiskey drinkers club. Yeah. And basically. One was born. And one was born. And since then, we now meet at the Britain's Protection. Um, although we have been meeting online instead, um, but we meet the Britain's Protection. We have a laugh. We get to meet some. Uh, sometimes it's. Uh, uh, like a brand ambassador will come and talk to yep. us and we'll taste through a whole selection other times it will be another one of the members who's gotten really geeky in a, in a particular theme so it might be Isla whiskies, it might be Speyside, it might be unusual whiskies, it, yep. all sorts of different things and we just have um, a tasting session get to know the whiskies, get to understand them, get to try new stuff which for me is the big thing because I didn't realise. So my introduction to whiskey was a lot of people's introduction to whiskey, which was Bells. Yeah, and ironically, we got Bells last night off somebody. So yeah, <laughs> it's actually sat in the cupboard over there. Got a late Christmas present. So which is absolutely not my cup of tea. Yeah, he might be staying in there for a while. <laughs> yeah. So my dad would get whiskey for um, Christmas, and he would get Glenfiddich and uh, all sorts of other ones. But he would always, always get bells. And I don't know who the hell it was who bought him bells, but somebody would always buy him bells. And it was the only one he would ever give to us or have a sh- let us share, understandably, because it was the cheap and cheerful one. Of course. Um, but to me, it tasted like Benson and Edge's cigarettes. And I'm going back to when I used to be a smoker many, many years ago. It, oh. There was just something weirdly yeah. creamy, but not in a good way about it. And it, I just don't like it. So yeah. that was my introduction to whiskey, and it was a case of, well, if, if I don't like that, I obviously don't like whiskey. Right. And it's a bit like me with uh, rum. You know, I tried a rum, and it was a generic name of rum. I won't say who it is, but it was a generic rum. You can buy it in any supermarket, and kind of was a bit uh, overpowering and a bit un- unpalatable, I would put it. It's kind yeah. of like when I first started in coffee as well, you know, when I was at university, I got I was very beneficial and got to do coffee yeah. as a barista and I became one. But, you know, it was kind of at that point, coffee was instant coffee and it was like yeah. rum was a generic rum you can buy in any supermarket. And it was it was bad. You know, that's the easiest way to put it. Yeah. It wasn't a great flavour, it wasn't a great taste. Yeah. Then, you know, when you introduced me to rum at uh, the rum festival and took me round and showed me rums that were breaking the barrel, really. You know, I met, we met a fabulous rum company, and I can't remember the name off my head, I think it was called Montgomery, which was a uh, female-only oh, yes, yes, distillery yes. based in the Caribbean. Yes, when we got hats. Yes, got hats, and there's a person you'll know about the hats. Uh, they got the hats actually just before Christmas. Yes. <laughs> we went in August and they got them at Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, but back to whiskey, it's like whiskey, is a, it's a journey, isn't it? It really is, and it's it's about, there's there are some really good out there um uh, accessible blends that taste good. There's some that taste bad, there's some that taste good. And it's it doesn't have to be stupidly expensive either. No. The flavour variety out there is huge. Um, I was trying some at um, in an online tasting last week and it was like strawberries and cream. 
Right. Literally opened the bottle, put my nose to it, and I was like, oh, wow, it's, this almost smells like picnics. This is... And I don't usually... There, there are always some people who get sort of red berries with some whiskies, and I don't get that. I, I find yeah. it... I get what my brain says I get. I don't tend to get sort of like round red berries and things like that. But this time it was like, yes, that's strawberries and cream. Yeah. I feel like I'm on a picnic. It was oh, it was finished in a red wine cask, which I think is where it came from. Yeah. Um, and it was stunning. And I've had some that have tasted like coconut and I've had some that have tasted like pineapple. It's, oh, I want to try that one. Oh, um, a feta can. Right. Well, we know what we're doing. Next, next time you come on the podcast, we know what we're doing. It might we be a bit of a drunk my... podcast, but yeah. fine. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we'll, yeah. get, we'll get some samples. Bantity, in partnership with Canal Street Media. If you've already got one of the Canal Street cars, you'll be benefiting from discounts at 160 retailers and food outlets across Manchester. If you've not got your card yet, don't worry, there's a great way to get it. Just visit Canal Street's online website and you'll be able to buy your card either as a one-off payment or as a monthly subscription, which goes to helping some amazing good causes across Canal Street and Manchester. Bantity, the podcast created for everyone. I think um, well, today we're on coffee, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we're, we're playing. We're playing because I had beer last night. Yeah, so and I'm training we're, tomorrow, so we're being yeah. well behaved today. We're, we're being well behaved, but actually, the coffee is from a, somebody who's actually on the Canal Street car as well. Yes, uh, Coffee Flamingo, and um, you've heard of that in the previous podcast as well. I won't tell you any more about it because you, you can hear about it in the previous one. But coffee is kind of an exploration, isn't it? And you can yeah. make coffee taste like whiskies, or you can play with it. Oh, massively uh, so! And there's there are actually some. Um, Coffees, coffee beans that have been infused with rum and with whiskey and stuff like that. Yes. So you can actually, yeah. There is overlap in the flavour profiles, which is fascinating. Mm. I mean, I learned to um, taste coffee as in literally the the whole cupping, slurping, mm. and and stuff. And I completely blame Hart and Graft, James and Sean will know um, for that. They basically have ruined me for coffee. I can only now drink really good coffee. I can't drink, quote unquote, bad coffee. Yeah. Um. I find it really hard. I can't go back to instant. I just, no, I, I can't do it. And I, no. and I, and I wanted to try and it. I lived on it yeah. at one point, but I can't do it now. Well, I tried, uh, uh, you've heard of James Hoffman, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Who runs a square mile coffee in London. Um, he did an experiment with instant coffees. And it was quite interesting to try that sort of experiment and see what goes on with it. Um. The only one that kind of got close was the Milicano from Kenko. Yeah. Because uh, it's got bean, it's actually got bean uh, in it. And it was actually quite nice, but nothing like a good poured V60 or anything like that. Yeah. It was, you know, and you don't need to have, you know, you don't need to pay a lot for good beans either. No, not at all. You know, you can get some amazing beans from some local roasters, you know. Uh, oh, Manchester's roastery scene oh. is insane. I actually have a friend of mine um, at work who came over from Italy and was astounded at the coffee scene in Manchester. Yeah. And she says it's even in Italy, it's not this big. Yep. We have we are when it comes to food and drink in the city, from a um almost every perspective, we have rum distilleries, yep. we have gin distilleries, we have coffee roasteries, we've got so mm. much going on. You know. That you almost don't, there's almost too much yeah. to explore. I mean, they've already said that we've got enough restaurants in Manchester and Greater Manchester for you to dine out at a different one every night of the year. I mean, we're, 
we are so lucky in Manchester oh, for right, what yeah. we've got going yeah. on. And it's it's like some of the places, and you just you listen to what the chefs are bringing on board, mm. and it's incredible. You know, yeah. um, there's there's some places even outside of Manchester. It's like there's one in Stop, there's one in Stop, uh, Stop or Heatonmore, I think it is, mm-hmm. which is an area I've I'd never been to before. But it's a little restaurant at the back, and it's incredible. And, you know, at some point we'll have to go and visit it and then we'll talk about it because I've never <laughs> actually tried the food yet. So I don't know how, how good or what it's like, but there's some amazing places in yeah. Manchester and there is some amazing creators, I would say. Yes. Because you've got Manchester Gin, which is, you know, based just off uh, by near the Great Northern Warehouse. Mm-hmm. So people can go and try gin there and actually make, make their, own. their own gin. Yeah. You know, we've got cider, uh, but I don't know. Well, we, well, cider is an interesting one. So we have Manchester Cider Club. And it's the next segue as well. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. Um, so cider is a really interesting one because we have Manchester Cider Club um, and the two people key behind that are uh, Kath Potter and um, Dick, uh, who are just incredible. So Kath's a uh, pommelier. Yes. So she's qualified as effectively a sommelier, but in cider and perry. So for those who don't know, cider is, is generally apples or primarily apples. Um, uh, perry is pears, yep. um, which is where you get your baby sham from, um, which not everybody realises. No, you just <laughs> taught me something. So, And they are key behind um, Manchester Cider Club, which started in person. Uh, way pre-pandemic would meet at the Crown and Kettle um, and they'd bring along some cider everybody'd have a bit of a try some cider and um, you'd explore stuff that isn't um, the usual commercial names yes involving bows and arrows and things that which tastes more like drone cleaner <clears throat> or, or or the super fruity kiwi and strawberry and all that stuff which really doesn't float my boat because it's so sweet I I just can't get on with it. So it's away from that. It's actually back more traditional styles of cider. So it te- it doesn't it isn't always dry. It but it's more in for me. It's more interesting. My experiences of cider pre Manchester Cider Club was being thirteen, drinking a certain bow and arrow brand um, super strength cider on a park with my friends. Um, and the the high acidity and stuff meant that actually, uh, well into my thirties, I would smell cider and just go, nope, can't drink that. Yeah, um, absolutely can't. Nope. And kind of it's like you know my sort of concept of cider is going down to Dorset and having scumpy in a yeah. uh, in a, what you would call a milk jug. Really, yeah. It was a two liter, it was a two liter milk jug, and that was kind of my exploration of that. And then explore stuff with you. And amazing, and even yeah. down to exploring a place not too far from where we're based in Altrincham, yeah, uh, which is Dunham Cider. Yeah, so which... I mean, up north we actually are doing quite well for cider because we've got uh, Dunham Massey, Dunham Cider, um, which is stunning. Um, we've also by two fabulous people as well. Yeah, we love them, and the um, and the the dad is amazing because he oh. does the apple juice. Uh, yes, but that's a complete other story. <laughs> we need, and we actually need we to get, get those three on because they actually. would be fantastic. Yeah. You might be drunk by the end of it, but yeah. 
It's like he did a, a whiskey, didn't he? Uh, sorry, a, a cider in a whiskey cask. Yes, so it was aged in a, a Lafroy cask, so it was a little smoky and it was just stunning. Um, but we also have, uh, over in Liverpool, you've got Brennan Cider. Yeah, we have. Who are fabulous. Um, and a lot of theirs is scrumped apples. So it's what you'd normally class as sort of, quote-unquote, foraged apples. So it yeah. might be somebody who's got a, uh, an apple tree on a site and they've just said, come and pick my apples because I don't want them, sort of thing. You've also We've also got Temperance Street Cider. Yes. Who have. are in the city centre. Now, what not, not a lot of people realise is we actually have two orchards. In Manchester City Centre. So one is at Noma, and I think it's Seven Trees. Um, and I think this, the, it's the same at Temperance Street. And, right. uh, they also have trees there, but they are still babies. Yep. But just for people to get a sort of idea where Temperance Street is, mm-hmm. it's actually behind Piccadilly train station, is the easy way to yeah, put it. Yeah, effectively. Uh, so if you've never heard of Temperance Street before, it is... A very interesting space. Uh, yeah. It's, it's known for people of the night. Well, it's, around the corner is, certainly. Yeah. Um, but it's also, despite the name, there's a lot of boozy goings <laughs> know, on. Down so there, there's yeah. a lot of beer. There's a lot of cider. There's beer cider. Um, there was, at one point, a gin distillery as well, yep. which has now moved um, but it was, it's a, for, despite its name, it's a very boozy part of town. Yes, it is. Um, and you can go to, you can go and visit Temperance Street Cider because they're also part of Beer Nouveau, um, which is a brewery. So both are on site in the same space and they have a brewery tap where you can go and drink their cider and other ciders and um, their beer and other beers. So it's well worth a visit round, go and see Steve and have a chat and, and yeah. see what they're doing. But then we've even got cider in Scotland. Wow, yeah. There's a couple of um, really good, interesting um, cideries in Scotland. My person, the one that I'm dying to get hold of some is a Dower Cider, um, which is I think Edinburgh. Right. And there's does that role, mean we need a trip to Edinburgh? Potentially. I mean, any excuse for Edinburgh. I love Edinburgh. Um, but they have they scrump apples as well, right. so it's donated apples, and they have a very limited production. And you can only buy it in Edinburgh. So I keep, every time I see a friend going to Edinburgh, there's a message from me going, any chance you're going into the vicinity of any of these shops? Because they will have <laughs> yeah. Dower Cider and you can pick some up for me. But because Manchester Cider Club um, has both promoted local ciders and ciders from around the country, it's actually put Manchester on the map for cider. Oh, yeah. So we've got so many really good bars and restaurants who actually have cider as an option instead of just it just yeah. being beer, wine, and well, cocktails and softs. Yeah, well, even uh, I can never get this place to the right name. It's I, I call it Benzikin, but it's not. Uh, it's across from Tarpendale. Oh, do you it's mean a beer house? Oh, Beatniks. Yeah, Beatniks. So I call it. Don't ask me why I call it that, but it's. it's <laughs> I now know it's called Beatniks. That's Beatniks. fine. But I went in there with a friend the other day. Yeah. And actually, because I'm not a big beer drinker at all. It's not doesn't flat my boat. I know you tried to convert me. I'm uh, working on it. You're working on it. You did do it at the summer festival. You converted me, but that was the lager. So I was halfway house. But I actually had cider. It was scumpy cider. Yeah. In there. And it was like, it's actually quite nice. It was, uh, it was an experience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was different. You know, and other ciders I've tried, like the stuff from uh, Dun and Massey cider. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. And. The team behind there is just stunning as well. But The one that I think will f- absolutely float your boat is Ascension. Right. Well, 
they do they do one that's um with lemon and black currant and it's like somebody's taken Ooh. ribena and added a splash of lemon juice to it and it's just it's amazing but it's a cider it, but so it's a we'll, cider we'll, but this is the this is the thing it doesn't have to be no. apples um it's classed as I think there's uh it's classed as a quote unquote made wine legally. Um but it's still a cider. And they do they do the variety that you can get in flavour profiles in cider is again huge. And I think this is something that people don't realise. They see cider and they think of bows and arrows and yes. certain um Scandi brands and stuff like that. Um what they don't realise is there is sweet round stuff that's kind of like a slightly boozy apple juice. There's also really tart, astringent stuff that's crisp and clean. And there's there's some ciders that taste uh, not far from a prosecco. They're yeah. so light and fizzy and and there's refreshing. Not, yeah. There's not some of them even you know. I'm what people are, some people have the concept of is that cider always has to be uh, sparkling. Yeah, you know, because they used to, you know, these yeah. brands, you know, the bow and arrow, the bow and arrow brand, or the one that has a bird as its thing, or yeah. all these different ones that you can buy in all the supermarkets in the UK, plus a few other places. But that's that concept, isn't it? You've been told what it is, you know, and you've had this homogenized version of it. Yeah, but, and a lot of it. The, the thing is that that most of the cideries that, uh, or all of the cideries that are involved with Manchester Cider Club, um, they use juice that's uh, that's often um you can you know where it's come from you know which apple type it's come from you yep. know what farm it's come from and all the rest of it the big brands tend to use a concentrate yes and then dilute it and it's completely legal and it's completely fine and and if you if if the bow and arrow brand is your cup of tea you do you yep. it's your drink but it's not for me. For me, I'm basically a big geek. And I get fascinated with um, I love how... I concept, by the way. What? <laughs> big, big geek. geek. I I'm, honestly, I'm genuinely a geek. I get fascinated by the idea of using that, that set of apples from that set of trees... You, you can use exactly the same process as that set of apples across the orchard from that set of trees, which are two different varieties and get two completely different. So you use the same yeast, same amount of aging, you know, same process, everything exactly the same and get two completely different yeah. flavor profiles. And then you get the blends where you take, you know, something that's really tart and something that's really dry and something that's really sweet and throw the three together and get something completely different. I get excited by the processes, the ingredients, the provenance, all of that stuff. Yeah, which is a great thing to get excited about because it is all individual, isn't it? Hugely. You know, and if you get involved with La Mancha Cider Club and all of these different groups, you can play and that's yeah. what it's all about. And, you know, I've, I've learned since getting to know you a lot is actually you can play with whatever you want when it comes to yeah. drink. You know, you don't have to just think, all right, I go into a restaurant and I have to have a red wine. That's the house red wine. Well... Actually, house wines and you know are not always bad, but not always great. You no. know, and and you can start to demand, you know, not demand, but actually have the concept of saying, I want to try this. I want to have a look at that, yeah. or look at cocktails. You know, I'd never looked at cocktails till you know I started going out with you and other people, and it was actually cocktails, great idea. Then I got into sort of drinking uh, off, you know, 
off-shelf, what I call non-shelf uh, ciders and non-shelf yep. gins, you know, where you can't easily buy them in a supermarket, but you can easily order them online. Yeah, even, yeah. Even Amazon, you know, even the A, A, A to Z place, you know, you can yeah. order it from them. Uh, where yeah, their, they, name, but... their selection's very good um, and surprisingly so for such a big organisation. Mm. Um, I just get, I think that the other thing behind it for me as well is the people because it's, you get to know the people behind the brands and some of them, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some people who are dicks in this world and you can find them in any area of life and food and drink and and mm. that is included you can find the knobheads but there are some amazing people doing amazing things yes um who are and i think it's finding the people who get just as excited about the really geeky stuff as i do and i meet them and we get talking and it's like oh you find that process fascinating i find it yeah. fascinating but also i find how you think about it fascinating as well mm. you there's always i i think with um producers creators chefs included um sommeliers all the rest of it there is this combination of science and creativity yeah. and it's a balance between the two and it fluctuates all the time and that's kind of where I get interested in it. There's a certain amount you can. I've met some amazing gin distillers who um, know their job inside out to the point that they can even be creating a new gin and they will know where the cutoff point is where, when it's done. So you, when you make a gin, you um, as you um, effectively distill off the spirit as it comes off uh, in vapor and gets cooled back down to liquid you take off the heads and you take off the tails so these are the stuff that you don't want so at the heads yeah. it's the stuff that would potentially send you blind and at the tails it's just the tough stuff that tastes like dish wa- dish water yeah you, d- you don't want either you want the middle bit the bit that's going to taste amazing and for some it becomes a science they watch the timer they know where the time kicks in da, 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 da. for others and that makes you know that makes it more of a scientific process for others. It's actually they feel when it's ready. They know instinctively yeah. when it's like right. Okay, now we can shut off. We're getting the hearts in, and they know instinctively when to turn it off the other yeah. side. And that's the thing that fascinates me in their stories and their experiences and their expertise. Yeah, it's why it's... I love talking to people. Um, as much as going and eating in a nice restaurant, it's actually, if I get the opportunity to have a chat with the chef or have a chat with the yeah. server or have a chat with the bartender, it's understanding how they think about it and how they create stuff and things like that that geeks me out. Yeah, and it's a nice thing to geek out about, like, especially when it comes yeah. to food, wine, uh, cider, beer, gin, whiskey, I'll keep naming them. It's something far too many. <laughs> Tequila. Tequila. Vodka. Yeah, we'll be here all day. But with all of those, it's that exploration because you can walk into one of the major supermarkets and buy a generic version, which is homogenized. You can. What's, what's interesting, though, is that what people don't realize is a lot of this stuff is actually made by the same people. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's the same with when you're going and buying um, a tin of beans. You can go in and you can buy the brand with an H. Yeah. 
Um, or, or you the can brand go with and, a B. or a brand with a, personally prefer the brand with a B mm-hmm. as over the brand with an H. I, I agree. Um, but you can go in and buy that, or you can go in and buy the own brand. And ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the own brand is made by either the brand with a B or the brand with the H. Yeah. And it's the same with things like you know, uh, Povich, with a very famous company, begins with a Q. Yeah. Uh, they make around about seventy five percent of all the uh, oat based products. Yeah. In the world. And if you shop in them, if you shop in the USA, they make something around about ninety five percent of all oat based products. Yeah. Um when you think about that, that's incredible. Huge. Yeah. Or it's like the you know, the K base company that makes a cereal sort of brand yeah. Yeah, yeah. has a policy where it won't make anything for anybody else. And that's their policy. Mm-hmm. You know, is they will they refuse to do it. Which yeah. is quite incredible when you think about the size of that K company. I won't say the full name, but you know, it's down them. the road from me. So yes, yeah, it's down the road from you. I, I've I've been fa- I've, I've been on a, I've been on a tour of the place, and I've done the whole uh, the whole Greg Lois experience. <laughs> where you go from top to bottom, and it's incredible. Uh, but you know, they refuse to sell to other people, which yeah. I think is a great thing from a brand point of view. Yeah. Uh, but then you get other companies that do. You know, and there's a very famous uh, oat-based company in, Man- in the Northwest mm-hmm. that make it for everybody. Yeah. You know, and these companies exist and make fabulous products. Yes. So if you want great uh, oat-based products and you live in the Northwest, a certain company beginning with M yes. may uh, make a lot of the other ones as well. Exactly. But it's the same with um, spirits as well. Yeah. So um, when it comes to gin... There are two main companies, one in Warrington and one down uh, down south in Langley, near Birmingham. Those two make the majority of the yeah. own brand spirits on sale in, in mm-hmm. British supermarkets. Yeah. Um, whether it's vodka or gin. No, and it's just, you know, um, there's, there's, a, there's a wine company that makes majority of gin and cider. Um, whiskies and all sorts of things and they're literally a very well-known wine company yeah and you probably drank loads of their wine if you like you know wine from the certain supermarkets yes you know they do and they make a brandy which I was shocked at <laughs> uh, they the stuff they make and it's incredible you know and I've, I've worked with these brands and you know it's incredible to actually see that their portfolios are so big yeah and they even, are huge and it even comes down to toilet roll with the companies and well, this is what people do. don't realise is that actually that, that it isn't, it's not just because it's a supermarket brand, it's not bad. No. Far from it. It will be made to the same, you know, it might not be as um, creative. It might not be as varied. So there are some brands, um, smaller brands, where they rely on foraged ingredients. Well, then no two batches are going to be the same. They're not going to be identical because you have a variation in the seasons and in the produce and stuff like that. Whereas what they do give, what these big brands and the supermarket brands do give is consistency. Yes. And if that's what you are after, if you're after every gin and tonic that you have, wanting to taste exactly the same, then... Yeah. You're golden sorted. Yeah. You know where you're going. And it's the same when you go back to things like restaurants as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you look at your chains and they're all, you know, providing the same food products regardless of where you are in the UK. Yeah. So you could be down in London and you will get the same food as you would get in the Highlands of Scotland. Yeah. You might get a square sausage instead of a round sausage, but that's the only <laughs> difference. But that's as close uh, as you'll get to difference, yeah. yeah. But when you look at independence, 
they can do absolutely anything they want. Mm. And that's the beauty of it. You know, and that's why, you know, we love going to independence. Yeah. You know, we'll champion independence all day long. Absolutely. You know, and if, if this podcast went on forever in a day, <laughs> we would do. <laughs> we would do. Uh, we could be here all day we talking could be about here indies. We could be. But what I'm going to do is I want to thank you so much for coming on today, Charlie. It's been absolutely amazing having you. Thank you for uh, having me. I hope you come back again. Uh, I have no doubt at some point I will come and waffle on some more. Yep. And we can talk about anything else you want as well. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. Uh, but I thank you so much for doing today. Uh, and I wish you a great day. Thank you very much. And thanks for coming on. Have fab time. You too. Bantery, the podcast designed for you.